Hi, this is Pastor Nelson Mercado. Thank you for tuning in to our podcast from the Nashville First Seventh-day Adventist Church. I hope you are blessed by today's message. Let's bow our heads. Father, indeed, we've come to praise you. That is the main purpose we're here, because you deserve all the glory, all the honor, and all the praise. Speak to us this morning so that you, in, the, in turn, will be glorified. For we ask this in Jesus' name, amen. How many of you ever have ever been homesick? Have you ever been homesick? Yeah, it's not a, a comfortable feeling, is it? Uh, I may have told you this before, but you know, uh, one, one memory that I have of being homesick, uh, really homesick, was when I was in the Navy. You know, I was 18 years old, and I, I lived um, all my life with my parents. You know, always home, they provided for me, and never had to be on my own. And we lived in Puerto Rico at the time, so of course, uh, boot camp, for basic training was in Great Lakes, Illinois. So we, I was far away from home. And um, I remember Sundays during basic training were the easy days, you know, Sunday, so, uh, they, they provide ways for people to go to church. I was Adventist already at the time. Uh, Catholics went through their service, and Protestant. If, you were, if you're not Catholic, you went to the Protestant service. It's just the way it was. But I never felt comfortable with that. So I, I stayed behind at the barracks, and you know, I would just read my Bible and maybe write letters. Um, but on, I remember this particular Sunday, for some reason, I was so yearning for home. And I started to cry with like a little boy for like 15, 20 minutes. I was crying. I was just in a corner over there, nobody saw me, but God saw me, and I, I was just so yearning to be home. It was hard. If you were then in a situation like that, you can relate, you know, being homesick, right? Homesickness has everything to do with attachment, says uh, Joshua Kapow, a clinical psychologist and associate professor at the University of Alabama. He says that when we feel homesick, we're feeling insecure and uncomfortable with uh, where we are physically and emotionally. We're longing for something that in our minds is known, predictable, consistent, and stable. This is the kind of thing we like, being comfortable, consistent, stable. Homesickness is associated with very difficult emotions and experiences. It actually can be described as a grief reaction similar to have lo uh, uh, losing a loved one. That's how bad this is. It is associated with feelings of depression, anxiety, difficulty coping with the new environment. If you've ever been homesick, you may have had problems sleeping, problems concentrating, loss of appetite, that kind of thing. It's a painful condition. And you know, over the past year and a few months or so, um, many, many people have been stuck at home. Yeah? Stuck at home in a familiar place, but stuck there, and, and, and many have developed what we call cabin fever. Have you, you know what cabin fever is? You know, it's sort of, sort of, you know, it happens really more in the winter because people don't want to venture out in the cold. But it's a sort of a, a, a irritability, listlessness, uh, um, and similar symptoms resulting from long confinement in, uh, indoors. Um, you know, uh, uh, again, you know, being home is a familiar place, but, but I found, and, and maybe you found this too, that even though in the last year or, in, you know, it's been a year maybe since maybe March last year when the pandemic started and, and, and people got, uh, you know, were stuck at home, 
Even though you were at home in a very familiar place, you started to feel homesick. You started to feel homesick and yearning to be with the family of God in his church. You started to feel homesick. I know that I did. And you know, much, uh, a lot has been said about what the church would look like post-pandemic. We have, we have adapted to a new norm. Things change. And I think the, 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 the one common thing that is becoming the norm or became the norm is lost long-distance church. Gail mentioned a little bit about this last week in her message, the, the, the idea that we became so um, in, uh, accustomed to a Zoom platform, long-distance streaming and uh, while I think that, you know, the, the technology was great, and it is great still, um, I'm, I'm willing to bet that many of you are zoomed out by this time, aren't you? Some, of, some are not zoomed out. You're not zoomed out. But some are. Some are tired of this. Zoom, this, but, you know, again, it's not all bad. I mean, uh, um, there's some advantages of it. You know, um, for example... Our board meetings are now via Zoom. We started doing that during the pandemic, and because it seems a lot more practical, we're probably going to continue doing them via Zoom. We don't have to come to the church. So, so those are, those are uh, some advantages. But, but one thing I said last week, and I think it's important, is that while these, uh, uh, these platforms, this technology is good, I think they are meant to be a temporary band-aid that I think we need to be careful of making this a permanent band-aid. There's an article that I read from the Christian Post, and, then, and it discussed some ideas about COVID, you know, the post-COVID-19 church and, and how we should do things. And, and this is what it says. Here's one of the ideas they talk about. Churches will rapidly adapt, more, adapt to more virtual practices. Many churches have resisted the migration into the virtual world, but the coronavirus has taken many congregations into a quick immersion into the digital age. The initial forays have been to move into the digital, into a digital giving more fully and to stream some form of worship services. But coronavirus is the tipping point of much more to come in a digital world. Indeed, the change may be the most profound of all the changes churches will face after the coronavirus is no longer a pandemic. And, and, you know, maybe they have a point. You think about, you know, they say we got to move, we got to change with the times, right? We got to change with the times, and I guess there's something to that. But I wonder, is it possible for us to take things to the extreme? You know, one thing that I have heard and in conversations that I've had with people and things that I, I've seen uh, online is that because of the advances of technology and everything that we have uh, become more accustomed in the last year or so, um, people have started to downplay the importance of church. What are your thoughts about church? About the importance of coming together in fellowship? Is this something we should throw away because now we have a new way of doing things? Let's open our Bibles to the book of Acts. The book of Acts chapter 1, we'll start in verse 9. Acts chapter 1 and verse 9. 
Now the time had arrived for Jesus to go back home. He was ascending to heaven, but before he did this, he gave his disciples, his followers, a set of instructions. Acts chapter 1 and verse 9. But you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you shall be witnesses to me in Jerusalem, in all Judea, in Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. So notice here, friends, that the the strategy, this was the strategy to to build a new church. The the strategy that Jesus had for them to build a new church. And of course, Jesus gave them the power to accomplish that strategy. So so this is the instructions he gives. Stay there, you'll receive the power to receive the Holy Spirit. And he ascends to heaven. And and, And we continue reading in verses 12 to 14. Then they, that is Jesus' followers, disciples, they returned to Jerusalem from the mount called Olivet, which is near Jerusalem, a day's journey, a Sabbath day's journey. And when they had entered, they went into the upper room where they had been staying. Peter, James, John, and Andrew, and Philip, and Thomas, Bartholomew, and Matthew, James, the son of Ophias, Simon the Zealot, and Judas, the son of James. And they all continued in, uh, with one accord in prayer and supplication and with the women and Mary, the mother of Jesus, and his brothers. And so notice that the representatives of the early church, now think about this, the, this is the church that transformed the world. This is the church that we are told by historians proclaimed the gospel message to the then known world in a period of 30 years. This is the church we're talking about, and the representatives of the early church, we are told, came together. They came together. Of course, the upper room was something, well, a place familiar to them. They had gathered there uh, many times before, but they gathered together. Continue reading chapter 2, verse 1. When the day of Pentecost had fully come, they were all in one accord. What does it say there? In one place. The strategy of the early church was to gather together where? In one place. It was here that, of course, they gathered and the promise of the Holy Spirit, the power came upon them. There's something to be said about coming together to worship God. In fact, you know, I, I, I thank Beverly for her comment at the beginning. There's something to be said about that. Luke, in in his gospel, says it this way, they worshipped him, this is a Jesus goes back to heaven, and returned to Jerusalem with great joy, and were continually, where? In the temple, praising and blessing God. And so notice again, the strategy of the early church was to come together in one place, and what place was that? In the temple. From the very beginning, the Christian church The concept of coming together with like-minded believers was known by them, and it was part of the strategy of growth. It was part of their strategy. Coming together in one place to worship God. The year 2020 changed things around, didn't it? Yeah. You know, uh, uh, it's, it's, it's amazing how, how long, I mean, it seems like it's such a long time. March of 2020, right, when, when the, the initially the things got bad and, and, and we were in a lockdown. 
and, um, and churches closed, including ours. Now, if you remember back then, you know, when, when we closed, we already had live stream and all that, but when we, uh, we closed for the first two Sabbaths, we, we, we did a, a Zoom thing. You know, we, did a, a, we were doing Sabbath school via Zoom. We, we did a sermon via Zoom two weeks, and I just didn't, didn't care for that much. So we, we came back here, and we started doing the recording, and, uh, at least the, the, the sermon component here in the church, because it's better quality. What you may not know is that while we were doing that, mind you, there was just Brent, myself here initially, then we had Pat, Pat was still with us back then, and she started playing the piano, but what you don't know is that you know, people, of course, when they were looking live stream, they realized, you know, there's people at the church. It's part of 11 o'clock. There's people at the church. And some people had, came straggling in. Remember, Mary, you remember. No, it was just a handful, maybe one person over there, one person over there. But, but even back then, as early as this was in the pandemic, people already had that need. They felt that need. I need to be with like-minded believers, and they did come. Now, of course, we opened back in, officially, we opened back in September, and we had a skeleton crew in September, and, and, and those of you who, who were coming know that, you know, we had about 40 to 50 people here coming week after week. Uh, I thought that this th- that actually was going to grow more as the weeks went by, but that didn't happen. It stayed about 40 to 50, and it was only now recently that you see more people coming. But do you realize that there are some churches that did not open for more than a year. In fact, it is my understanding that our brethren from the South Central Conference, they're just now this month opening since March of 2020. People have gotten accustomed to this. And so maybe, maybe after a year and three or four months, people wonder, is church even necessary? I mean, after all, we've been doing this long-distance things all this time, and we're fine. Is church even necessary? People have gotten used to this. But I believe, friends, that there's something to be said about coming together. There's something to be said about the fellowship that we enjoy when we come together as a family of God. In our article titled, Why Christian Fellowship is Important, Kelly Mahoney says that fellowship is an important part of our faith. Listen to that. Fellowship is an important part of our faith, of what we do. I would submit to you that can we really call, ask, can we really call ourselves Christians if we're not in fellowship? Coming together to support one another is an experience that allows us to learn, to gain strength, and to show the world what God exactly is like. So there are some some benefits to fellowship. Benefits that we have by coming together just like we are. Look around you. Look around you. You know, I'm glad to see the pews filled up. I mean, you know, there's still more work to be done. We need to fill this part a little more. But there's some advantages, some benefits. And I want to share with you five things that, that, that are, are benefits to us, that fellowship is beneficial to us. The first one is that fellowship gives us a picture of who God is, of what God is like. Now, all of us, of course, you know, we, none of us is perfect. 
We're all sinners, a short of the glory of God. But each of us has a purpose here on earth. Think about this. Each of us has a purpose here on earth to show the world what God is like. Individually, by the way. We ought to be a reflection of, of who God is to the world so that people will know what God is like. But, but friends, as we come together as a church, this church right here, you know, coming together, like-minded believers in unity, it tells us what God is like. Think about this. We talked about the Trinity some weeks ago. You remember, we uh, uh, as Seventh-day Adventists believe in a tritheistic form of the Trinity, that is, that, that God is the unity of three co-eternal persons, right? Three in unity, coming together. We coming together in fellowship in many ways show the world what God is like. In the world, friends, I think has, has missed that over the last year or so. You think about it, it's, like, it's sort of like a baking a cake. You have, um, you have your oil, you have your eggs, you have your flour, and, and, and you know, the flour is not the cake, certainly the oil is not the cake, but when you combine these things together, what happens? Oh, you have a very delicious cake. And the same thing is with us, friends. All of us together show the glory of God. We show the world what God is like, loving ourselves uh, in unity together in one place. Romans chapter 12, verse 4 and 5 says it this way. Paul says that for as we have many members in one body, but all the members do not have the same function, so we being many are one body in Christ and individually members of one another. Members of one body, members of one another. Amen. Fellowship shows the world what God is like. Amen. But fellowship also makes us stronger. It makes us stronger. No matter where we are in our faith, we need strength to make it day by day. Being around believers, others who believe as we do, helps us to grow and to learn. You know, we learn from one another. We learn from one another. It demonstrates to us why, what we believe, and why we believe it, and it's an excellent source of strength. You know, it's, this is why Sabbath school is so important. We all have something to contribute, and you're strong on this, and you're strong on that, and maybe I'm weak on this, but come, we come together, we strengthen ourselves. And there's something to be said about this because Jesus makes a promise that he is where we are when we come together in his name. Matthew chapter 18, verses 19 and 20. I, again, I say to you that if two of you agree on earth concerning anything on, that they ask, it will be done for them for my uh, by my Father in heaven. For where two or three are gathered there together in my name, what? I am there in the midst of them. Now, obviously, the context of Matthew 18 is different than talking about, the, you know, the church. But I would say to you that the principle is the same. The, the, the reason why we are strengthened when we come together is because God keeps his promise that if we're gathered together in his name, his presence is with us. We draw strength from him because ultimately it is God who gives us the strength. But there's something to be said, friends, when, when we, we, we come to this place knowing that this is the place that God will meet with us. Amen. Fellowship makes us stronger. Fellowship also provides us with encouragement. Why do we need encouragement? Because Sunday through Friday, we go through all kinds of things in our lives. 
whether it is a, a bad news from a job or a financial crisis, problems with your family, a health, you know, more bad news, you know, in the world of this, that, and the other happening. And when we come to church, we hope that, that, that we can find encouragement with somebody. You know, I think this is one of the challenges that people had over the, the year of the pandemic and the closures. They felt so isolated, so lonely, and they went through things they had nobody to share with. This is why church is important. You know, it, it, talking to others that, that know what, what, what we're going through and, 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 and that they can pray for us and we can pray for them and encourage one another. There, there, there's, that's powerful. You know, I've been uh, um, recently involved in, um, uh, you know, since I've been a pastor, really, uh, I've been trying to, to search, search, search for a, a, a ministerial association, uh, an association of pastors. You know, get together with pastors and that kind of thing. And, and you know, not necessarily just Adventist pastors, but pastors of different churches, you, you know, talk. And I just never, never, never found a place uh, that... Um, that met those needs, but only until recently, the last three or four months, I found a, a, a place, it's not necessarily an association officially, but, but it is a meeting of pastors, and pastors from different churches, different denominations. We've come together, we, we pray together, we, we study together, we, we, we have a fellowship meal together, and there's something about that because every time I've, I've come out of that meeting, I've come encouraged. Now, we, we, we believe different things, right? We, we don't agree all in the same thing, but we've come together with one purpose, and I've been so encouraged because it's, there's something to be said about coming together with people that, 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 that you can relate to, you know, because, you know, pastors know what pastors go through. You know what I mean? And, and so we talk and we encourage each other, and the same thing happens in the context of the church. We, when, we, when we go through all these things Sunday through Friday and we can come to church, maybe you're, you're down, maybe you're discouraged, maybe you have something in your mind and you come to church and you share it with your brothers and sisters and they give you the courage. Amen. Fellowship, friends, provides encouragement. Hebrews chapter 10, verses 24 and 25, and let us consider one another in order to stir up love and good works. Not forsaking the assembling of ourselves, as it is a, the matter of some, but exhorting one another, and so much more as you see the day approaching. Now, the day approaching here in Paul's context was the, 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 the destruction of Jerusalem in the year 70 AD. And, and so because of this big thing that was happening, don't stop you know, assembling together. But of course, in our context, what is the day that's approaching? The second coming is approaching. And, and it's closer every day. And, and, it, and if that's the case for us, how much for us, how that we should not forsake assembling together, as some have done, you know, as it's a matter of some. Some are doing it. We shouldn't be doing it. And more because Jesus is coming soon. So, so fellowship provides encouragement. Fellowship also reminds us that we are not alone. We are not alone. Again, one of the, uh, of the damages, if you will, of, um, of what is done to, to people, to Christians during the pandemic, to people maybe in our own congregation, again, they felt so isolated. But coming together, look around you. You are not alone. You're not alone. You know, there's something to be said about this. I, I, you may have experienced this. If you've traveled to other parts of the world and even other cultures, 
And um, when you find a Seventh-day Adventist, it's not like your home. Have you experienced that? It's just something about that. No matter where you go, whether here, and maybe it's at work or, or, or wherever, in other countries, oh, I met a Seventh-day Adventist, it's, it's, it's like family. We are not alone. We're part of a world body. It reminds us, friends, that we're not alone. And fellowship also helps us to grow. It helps us to grow. You know, I, many times I've shared this and because it's so important, the, 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 the principles, the steps of spiritual growth, the, the, the study of God's word, prayer, witnessing, and actively being involved in church. To be actively involved in church, meaning that you're coming to church and that you are in fellowship with other people. That is part of our spiritual growth. Fellowship helps us to grow because we, we, you know, we all you know, have a different gift. Again, you think about Sabbath school, when we have Sabbath school and, and everybody you know, contributes and make their point. Oh, you know, that's a good point here. Yes, thank you for that, for that remark. We all learn from somebody. We grow. God wants us to grow. You know, in, in, in Paul's writings in 1 Corinthians chapter 14, he was talking about the gift of tongues. And after he addresses this issue of the gift of tongues, he says in 1 Corinthians 14, 26, 1 Corinthians 14, 26, how is it, brethren, he asks, whenever you come together, notice again that the concept of coming together. Whenever you're coming together, each of you has a psalm, has a teaching, has a tongue, has a revelation, has an interpretation. Let all the things be done for edification. Again, you know, everybody has a different gift. And the purpose of that gift is for our edification, the church. In fact, the NIV says it this way, everything must be done so that the church may be built up. Coming together as a church. Building each other up. Fellowship helps us to grow. It helps us to grow. You know, in, in my opinion, one of the saddest things that we saw over this period of 2020 through the, this, this pandemic, which actually speaks volumes on the opinion of church, even among Christians, is that church was seen as non-essential. You remember that early on, essential or non-essential businesses, I should say, were closed, right? Only essential businesses were open. Now, you know, there was questions about that because who made that determination of what's essential or not? Because as I understand, liquor stores were open. Yeah, it's essential for you to drink. The church was seen as non-essential. Now, you know, we are, we are so thankful for those uh, people who work in what was called essential businesses, you know, first responders, hospitals, nurses, doctors, even the people at Walmart. Maybe you didn't think about the people at Walmart, but you need to go somewhere to buy your, you know, your food, right? And we're thankful for that. But think about it. In a period of distress that the world was in, or in, in some places it's still going on, we're going back to sort of normal, but... but when things are bad, shouldn't the place where we come together to meet and, and to seek God be probably the most essential place? And why is it that all of a sudden it became non-essential? 
Uh, it's not important to go to church anymore. After all, we have all these technologies, and you, we can do church and, and church business online and, and, and long distance. We don't need to come together anymore. And I think that's a big mistake, friends. I think that's a big mistake. So, you know, do we throw the baby with the bathwater, so to speak? Do we say, well, we have... Um, We've uh, grown in the last year with technology. We've learned new ways of doing things. This is not important anymore. Is this is a conclusion that we come up with. And I, friends, I say absolutely not. Absolutely not. Now, it's true, but, you know, back in, uh, in Bible times, there, they didn't have a place, you know, like we have a church, a specific place where everywhere they went to because they, they met in small groups. But the point is that they met together. But, friends... Again, I think all of you can agree, and the fact that you're here testifies of this, that there's something to be said about you being here this morning and worshiping together. And I'll be honest with you folks. Part of me is very disappointed and ashamed that I did not take a harder stand when the said church, uh, the closed the churches. I'll be honest with you. That I didn't fight more to make sure that this place was enclosed. You've heard of other pastors and here in America and other parts of the world where they said, no, 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 church is essential. I'm going to keep the doors open. And they got locked up. They, you know, they got fined. They got in trouble. And by the way, this is still happening, maybe not as much here in the United States because, you know, where things technically are returning to normal. But if you're listening to the news, our uh, neighbors up north, Canada, they're still locking people up. They're still locking pastors up for opening their churches. There's churches that are being burned up right now, and the government's not doing anything about it. And so, again, I wonder... You know, I, I, I think about myself and, I, and I'm, I'm, I'm disappointed that I did not take a, a harder stand on this. But friends, think about this. It's not just me. At some point, friends, we need to all make that determination and think about this. Because you can take this to the bank. This is not the last time this will happen. And I've said this before. If, if, if coronavirus was a test, right, a, a fire drill, as it were, if coronavirus was a test, I believe Christianity failed that test. It failed. I failed. And that should not happen again. And so we all need to take, you know, to think about it. Where will we stand when this happens again, it's not a matter of if it'll happen again, because again, you know, you may disagree with this, but the powers that be are, are still, there's still rumblings in the air. And I wouldn't be surprised if this whole issue comes right back. Let's, let's close back. Where are we going to stand? Are we going to go along and say, well, it's not essential. They're telling me not essential, so I'm not going to be here. Listen, you got to do what you got to do. But, but. One thing, you know, if we fail this test, at the very least, we should have learned from our failure and not allow it to happen again. And so I will tell you this. Now, I, don't, I can't control everything, all right? But I will make a pledge to you today that when this happens again, 
as far as I have any control over it, this church will stay open. Amen. Now, I can't do anything about everybody. Some people will choose to come. Some people won't, won't choose to come. But if there's one person here, we will have this church open. Because this is the place where we come to meet God. This is where we come to meet strength, to get strength from our Lord and from each other. And the reason Satan is attacking this so much is because he knows how important it is. Fellowship is important because we tell the world who God is. We, could, we encourage each other. We grow. We strengthen each other. We, we know that we're not alone. We're a body of Christ. And so, you know, I think hopefully everybody of us, every one of us can make that pledge. So I'm not going to allow this to happen again. We will stand and we will stand for God even if the sky crumbles around us. God will see us through. Amen. Now, now, you know, there are things that, you know, even not everything was bad, uh, obviously, during coronavirus. And, and some of the things we learned that we should continue. For one is that because people are so isolated, they were so isolated, one thing that we tried to do as leaders is to call each other, right? Check up on each other, you know, send a text to somebody, send a, a little postcard to see how they're doing. And if there's any need, meet those needs. And that should not stop because we're coming together to the church. We should check up on each other during the week. Because one of the challenges, Henry, you mentioned this all the time, the fact that, that, that you know, we come on Sabbath, we, we do our thing, go home, and we don't see each other anymore until the next week. And so whatever happens during the week, maybe we don't know. And so let's check up on each other. We also learned that there's newer ways that we can still uh, do ministry. You think about, uh, you know, this whole issue of virtual, you know, virtual uh, services and, and the like. Uh, you know, we, we should not just stop that because this is, uh, provides us another way of reaching people for Christ. And, you know, the Bible versus everyday life is an example of that. This is why we're doing it because it provides us another avenue to, to help others and meet people's needs and maybe build relationships and, and maybe, uh, again, uh, uh, do our part in proclaiming the gospel. And so this is part of what we're doing. So we continue doing that. But again, we, we who know Bible prophecy know that the time is going to come when indeed we will not be allowed to meet together. That's something that's coming and, and should not surprise us. We need to expect it. When that happens, the mission should not stop. We should continue with the mission. We should continue moving forward, proclaiming the three angels' message, proclaiming the, the present truth for this time with a united front, loving each other. And again, you know, not everybody here agrees on everything, but the fact that we're together, that says a whole lot. It says a whole lot. I want to leave you with a few words from the Acts of the Apostles, the book Acts of the Apostles, page 9 through 11. Mrs. White says that the church is God's appointed agency for the salvation of men. It was organized for service, and its mission is to carry the gospel to the world. Many and wonderful are the promises recorded in the scriptures regarding the church. Mine house shall be called a house of prayer for all people. The church is God's fortress, his city of refuge, which he holds in a revolted world. Notice a city of refuge. This is where we need to find refuge. In a world that is revolting, it is here we find refuge. Any betrayal of the church is treachery to him who has brought, uh, bought us with the blood of his only begotten son. 
From the beginning, faithful souls have constituted the church on earth. You and me constituted, constitute the church on earth. So maybe you were homesick, and I'm glad that you've come back home. I'm, I'm glad you come back home. I hope that others will join us and continue coming back home. And let's not this hap, uh, let, allow this to happen again. Let us continue to come together as we read in Genesis uh, 28, 17, our scripture reading, which was uh, um, Genesis 28, 17, how awesome is this place? Think about it. How awesome is this place? There is none other, this is none other than the house of God and the gate of heaven. This is where we come to meet God. May we continue to do that even if the sky crumbles around us. Amen? Thanks for joining us. If you're ever in the Nashville area, come and visit us at the Nashville First Seventh-day Adventist Church. We're located at 2800 Blair Boulevard in Nashville, Tennessee. You may also visit us at nfsda.org.